Welcome to the Teen Suicide Prevention Society Suicide Prevention Show. I'm Jackie. I'm the host of the show. And I am here to talk to you about the self-sabotage solution. We're going on a journey of six steps that will take you from self-sabotage to self-empowerment. This is my journey, and I'm inviting you to go with me. So, oh, there we go. It helps if I turn my camera on. All right. <sighs> what is self-sabotage? Self-sabotage is when you get this feeling that, oh, if I do that, it's got not good written all over it. And then you do it anyway. That's one form of self-sabotage. But there's another form of self-sabotage. It is those little teeny tiny changes in behavior. And it's usually, usually actually there to serve you. And for anybody who doesn't believe me, just wait. The ride gets more interesting from here. Here's what self-sabotage can look like. It can look like my friend. My friend Jennifer. Jennifer was an entrepreneur and she had just purchased a brick and mortar store. Oh my goodness, she was excited. This was a business she had been in before and she loved it. Now, anyone who's ever opened a retail store knows that there are just massive amounts of details. Now, in her details, were more than most because she wasn't selling things. She was renting. And she wasn't just renting anything. Jennifer rented costumes. People came into her store looking for their outfits, for costume balls, for Halloween, for masquerade parties, for Mardi Gras, for Mardi Gras events. They came in looking for the parts and the pieces that would make them stand out and help them enjoy being something other than with a normal persona. And she was amazing at it. She could pull together pieces. She had parts and pieces. I mean, there was, you just walked in and it was a, almost an assault on the senses for all of the colors and the different sparkles and the hats. And the, I mean, she had it all. And right after she opened the store, her dad got sick. He got hospitalized. He got hospitalized and they were saying that other H word that none of us ever wanna hear, hospice. So she had a uh, conflict and here's what it looked like. She worked like a frenzied fiend so that she could spend every possible second at her dad's side. And then things started falling through the cracks. On this particular day, she was like 20 minutes late for our appointment and it was by phone. And she was like all apologetic and there was this and that. And then she started just spewing. She had written a check for a bill from the wrong checkbook and the check had bounced. And then she was on the phone with the bank and then she was late for her appointment with the doctor for her dad. And then she was, 
And what had been happening was that when she was with her dad, she was thinking about her business. And when she was with her business, she was thinking that she should have been with her dad. And so every moment with her dad was full of shame and should about her business. And the time that she was working on her business was full of shame and should about her dad. And let me tell you, as bad as shouldville is, shame town is that little on the other side of the tracks, Berg of Shouldville. And Shouldville itself is a dark, dank place where angels fear to tread. It's a place where your lives get lived and dreams go to die. And Shame Town is where you move to when your dreams are dead. And she was near about there. She was near about there, that her dream of being a good daughter, her dream of being a successful business owner, both of those dreams were in danger, that she was totally imploding. And I was so grateful because the pressure had been building, but I didn't know all of the details because she hadn't wanted to talk about it. So that day, when the pressure finally was more than she could handle and she just uh, let it flow. At that point, she came to a place that was just a little more peaceful. And she started giving herself permission to be less than perfect. And she gave herself permission that whatever she got done was enough in her business. And whatever time she spent with her dad was enough. And she started to just be able to breathe again. This is what self-sabotage can do. If it had not been for that final act of self-sabotage, where she wrote a check from a checkbook that was the one that was inappropriate and it didn't have the money in it and that check bounced, that act of self-sabotage is what opened her up to have help. So I just want to invite you to greet self-sabotage, not with blame, not with should, but with gratitude. Because if you have a recognizable act of self-sabotage, that level of awareness gives you the power to go and change something. So that's the first thing about self-sabotage. If you want to move away from shame, from shame town, you want to move out of shouldville, you have to embrace self-sabotage, just like I embrace failure. Both of them are what I call fortune flashlights, and you are fortunate not because of the reality of how awful it can be if you have sabotaged yourself somehow, but because in that moment of awareness, you now have a light on what's truly going on. Jennifer went from repeated, repeated, repeated evidence that she was stacking, that she was not good enough. She was not a good enough daughter. She was not a good enough business owner. And every time that she did the should and blame game and shame game that she should have been doing something other than what she was doing in the moment, she was just reinforcing that, that nastiness. And I do call it nasty. It's a limiting belief. It's BS. It stinks. It's a belief system. 
And so reinforcing, reinforcing, reinforcing. The moment that she imploded and actually spilled the beans on what had been true for her, which is that she had been on that spiral of, of reinforcing a message that didn't serve her, then she could accept help. So self-sabotage is there to break you open. That's what it's for. It breaks open what I call the negative echo chamber of your mind and allows for someone else to come in and help you with a new perspective. Jennifer was very brave and she got willing to look at this in a new way. And now the bounce check story is where she realized that she actually gave herself a break. She gave herself permission to bounce and to think about things in a new way. So that's the first step out of self-sabotage. And it's the first step in every course that I create in every book that I write. Step one, relax. You can't do it wrong. I believe you can't do life wrong. This is just the world according to Jackie. But that's what you signed up for, for this segment. So in the world according to Jackie, self-sabotage has a purpose in your life. And to move from self-sabotage into self-empowerment, we are going to go on a walk. And the next step on the walk is to listen. You're gonna listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. Give yourself a chance to just write down everything that's on your mind without any judgment. Non-judgmental listening is a skill set. It's a very vital skill set. Why? Because it brings you back into getting to know yourself. We don't always listen to the little voices in our heads, the voices on our shoulders. We are distracted. We're busy. The real reason that the first lesson is relaxed, by the way, is so that you stop being busy. So I'm not gonna go into a bunch of relaxation techniques in this moment, but get yourself some. The first one is for the mind, which is the one I gave you, which is decide that you can't do it wrong. The second one might be to take on a breathing practice, a meditation practice, a yoga practice. Any of those will work. And while you are doing your relaxation techniques, even if it is simply going for a walk, and by the way, all of these are things that are other episodes of this show you can find more details on with the different doctors that we have interviewed over the time, different experts, different people willing to share their stories and their expertise. So it's all here for you. But back to the six steps. Relax. You can't do it wrong. And while you're using a relaxation practice, listen without judgment to the voices in your head. Listen to what you're talking about in your mind. Listen, and as you relax, you just might start to notice a still, small voice. That's one of the many common manifestations of your internal guidance system. Your wise, intuitive, higher self, your spiritual connection to something larger than you, your intuition, divine consciousness, universal presence, cosmic collective consciousness, God. 
whatever the label is, one of the common manifestations of it when you're willing to listen without judgment is a very small voice. Now, the first time I heard God, a still small voice is not what I would use to describe. The first time that I heard the voice of God, I was driving around Maryland. It was 2007. It was a very interesting year. I had been introduced to a lot of travel. I was working with some bigger businesses. I was doing some business advising and I was bouncing geographically between Maryland and Florida. Now, people say, yeah, how'd you get to Florida? Hmm. I followed a man, but things were not going well. So I was driving around Maryland, getting ready for my next trip to Florida. I had been bouncing now for two years and I was done. And that's what this trip was about. I was done. I was actually driving around rehearsing what I was going to say. So I'm just driving and I'm talking to myself. I don't know if you've ever talked to yourself, but I, I like to think out loud. So I was talking to myself and I'm practicing and my car vibrated with a voice that I heard in my head, not in my ears, that said, not yet. And I was like doing the Bill Cosby thing in his Noah routine, you know, what, who, who, you, who's calling me? You know, who's talking to me? I'm like, Meh. and I go back to my thoughts, which is how this conversation is gonna go when I get off the plane and we get a chance to talk it through. And I hear again, not, yet. Now, what? I'm like, okay, not yet. Well, this is going to be different. So I arrive in Florida. Now we'd both been sick. I had been recovering from pneumonia in Maryland and Mark had been recovering from pneumonia in Florida. And, you know, we had caught it apparently on the same trip that we'd been on a month earlier. And it was just like, okay, I'm fairly well rested. He's fairly well rested. And we're back together doing the business talks and the normal things that we do. And it's getting up to my birthday and to his doctor's appointment for get his lungs cleared. And I'm like, not talking. Now I planned on having this whole conversation you know, before my birthday so that we could celebrate the time that we had had together. We'd known each other for a couple, three years at that point. And, and that way, when I left, we would have had a chance to celebrate our relationship. And I had that voice, not yet. So we were going to go out to dinner for my birthday. But before that, we were going to his doctor's office. And we're sitting in the doctor's office and the doctor doesn't look very happy. Mark's really calm. And I'm like going, what's up? But really, I wasn't paying that much attention because I was still thinking about the conversation that I planned on having. And now I was, maybe I was going to have to go through my birthday dinner and have it there. And I was like, this is what was on my mind. And then the doctor said, well, I was right. There was something in your lungs that's not pneumonia. And I had so many emotions running through my head, through my heart, all in that one moment that it just, it was just like whoosh. 
And for anyone who's ever been in a relationship where you found out someone had a secret, you can only imagine the mix. My first thought was, thank you, God. I didn't know what was coming next. We call it the medical mess. But at the time, I had no clue what was coming next. I was just like, okay, thank you. The fact that I had listened to that voice. Now, the other thoughts that came into my head, one was I was absolutely furious at him for not having given me a preamble, not having told me in advance of this, that in advance of this meeting with the doctor, that there might be something. Later, needless to say, we did not go out to celebrate because the doctor is giving him like an 80% shot that this is lung cancer. Now, I'll give you the end of that story. It wasn't. It was a fungus, but it was a medical mess. And there were complications. His mom had gone into hospice. You know, I mean, it, it was a mess of a year. But I was there to support him through the medical mess because I had listened to that voice. But first I had to deal with some anger because we got home. He's all right. He's taking a nap. We got the next doctor's visit set up where we could start to figure out what this is. And I go for a walk and I am, <clears throat> yo, not only did I not get to have the conversation that I thought it was time to have, but he upstaged me on my birthday. I was not in a very kind, gracious place in that moment. So the bottom line is that I ended up in Florida because I followed a man. And what happened through supporting him through the medical mess, supporting him through the year of grieving for the passing of his mother that same year. I got to know him in a way that I had not gotten to know him before. And the punchline, I'm still with him. So listening to that internal nudge, this is why listening is so critical. Listen, get yourself relaxed, get yourself to listen in a non-judgmental way and get used to a conversation so that you can start picking apart what's early programming and what's truly profound. You might be surprised at your own guidance system. The third step from self-sabotage to self-empowerment is one that you might've heard before. As a matter of fact, one of our speakers was talking dumb, uh, was talking about servant leadership. Step three is to serve. Find ways to be of service to others. Part of your business? Quite possibly. Serve. And one of the greatest ways that you can serve other people is the one that very few people ever do, and it is the greatest gift of service you could possibly give. Ask for help. Ask people to participate in your vision. Ask people to participate in your mission. Ask people for a cup of sugar. I mean, get to know your neighbors again. You know, ask people. Why? Because as soon as you do, you are turning on the reward centers of their brain. We love to help other people. And what it will do for them is just bring them to a place of joy. And what it will do for you is it will help you get out of yourself because serving them might be asking them, what's up? What's new? 
What's the best thing that's happened to you today? And starting a conversation where you're going to get to practice more of that listening without judgment. Being heard is a basic human need. And so if you get to a place where you are willing to ask people to listen to you, ask them first to share with you or do both, do different. Find a way to get a place where you can have more conversations with more people about things that really matter that are not about specifically transactions. Conversations can lead to transactions because I'm all about business building. I'm all about monetizing a mission. I'm all about creating win, 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 you know, where the planet is served and the people are served and your business is served and your mission is served. I'm all about that. This is what a service really is. There are five different things I just laid out for you, five areas of service. The planet, the people, your business, your mission. And the fifth one, I forgot. All right, it'll come back. Thank goodness this is being recorded. So in the world, according to Jackie, you do not have to be perfect to be profitable. Here's what's going to happen if you take those first three steps. You're going to start feeling a little more connected to yourself. They're inherent in everything that I teach, including the self-advocacy program, the Suicide Prevention Advocates, because they're so needed. And the power of these three steps where you're willing to serve, even though serving may come up as asking, recognizing that that's an act of service. If you start allowing yourself to ask and seeing that as the greatest gift you can give to other people, your world's gonna get a little better. And that serves by mission. The reason I do this course from self-sabotage to self-empowerment is because I have a belief about self-sabotage. I think that suicide is the ultimate form of self-sabotage so that anything that I'm doing with you right now, giving you these six steps is pulling you back from the ledge. It's keeping you away from an edge you may not have even known you were near. So that is why I do this. And that's why I do this course. And I also do this course in service to the bigger picture, which is that if you are prosperous, if you find your purpose and you are prospering in that purpose, suicide's not going to be a thing in your world. So this is my service to the mission of making suicide a thing of the past. So now that you know my reasons, we'll move on. Step one is relax. Step two is listen. And again, it's listen without judgment, without needing to fix, without trying to problem solve or strategize. And I know for some people, I'm a problem solver and men tend to be very much into that camp. This is going to take some practice. Relax, listen, serve. Find ways to be of service. And the simplest one, is simply ask someone to listen to you, ask them for a cup of coffee, ask them to have, to loan you something. Ask, let them serve because that's your easiest path to learn how to be of service and to watch somebody else's eyes light up when they say yes. 
Step four is to act. Act is not about getting it right. Act is about getting it done. If I had waited until I knew everything I needed to know to run a smooth summit, I'd still be waiting. If I had waited until I could project a perfectly polished professional image, I'd still be waiting and the world would not be served. So sometimes the greatest act of service is to be willing to take imperfect action. Now we're going to start to get into some strategy here because one of the things about self-sabotage is that you can flip it on its ear and turn it into a self-empowerment tool by being willing to use it strategically. So here's the disempowering self-sabotage. Now, again, I'm talking, the story I told you about Jennifer was that her self-sabotage broke her open so that she was able to receive. There's also the self-sabotage that's sneaky. And before I could take action on making a change in my life, I sabotaged my business. I was a family daycare provider. I'd been in business for many years. I was also at a point in my personal development where if I didn't find a way to get out of this business, I was probably going to self-destruct. I was in my, probably my first truly profound bout of depression and things were not going well. And sabotage, self-sabotage showed up, looking back at it now, as oversleeping and underdressing. These little shifts that said I had disengaged from that business little things, showing up late, leaving early from a job. These are indicators of self-sabotage because eventually it gets noticed. My clients started to notice. My attitude had started to change. I had a little less energy. Now, part of that was the depression, but part of that was also the fact that I had outgrown the business. <laughs> to quote the conversation that we had with Debbie Anderson earlier, I had hit my expiration date on it. What I didn't realize at the time was I had also hit the expiration date on my relationship, on my, on my second marriage. I didn't know it then, but the sabotage was showing up there as well. Self-sabotage can be an indication that a relationship has hit its expiration date, whether it's a relationship with a person or a relationship with a business. Both of those crashed and burned, not at the same time, but over time. You know, it don't have, doesn't have to go up in flames to realize that I was self-destructing. And I got lucky, I got help. So the actions I was taking looked like self-sabotage, you know, oversleeping and underdressing, you know, being less than engaged, looking for whatever I could do that would get me out of the house, disconnecting, 
these kinds of indicators, these are actions and they look like self-sabotage and yes, they are from that perspective, but they were also progress towards getting out from under a business that no longer served me, getting through the exit strategy of a relationship that just no longer served either one of us. So sometimes self-sabotage is actually progress in a direction you just hadn't quite given yourself permission to move towards. So that's one place where the self-sabotage is actually progress. But here's what happens when you start using self-sabotage strategically. You make progress faster. Self-sabotage doesn't have to be painful. It can actually be very productive. And here's what it looks like. You've decided that your goal is that you want to be in better shape. You want to be more fit. Self-sabotage in the grocery store could be forgetting to put the ice cream in your shopping cart. What's the end result? You're going to get to the theater, not theater, sorry, my brain went somewhere else. You're going to get to the house. You're going to get to the end of a meal. You're going to be at bedtime and it's going to be time for ice cream and there's not going to be any. What's going to happen? Your calorie count goes down, start to lose weight. So that's strategic self-sabotage. So that was an inaction. Other positive actions on that one are, of course, get up and walk, as, as Dr. Annika was sharing with us. So step four is act. And I'm talking about strategic action in the direction of your dreams before you think you're ready. Because not taking action is self-sabotage. I'm just going to put it out there. Not taking action in the direction of your dreams is self-sabotage. So let's go to self-empowerment. Empower yourself to take an action. Now I'm going to give you an attitude adjustment right here. If you're willing to accept it, here's a question. You get to write down all the answers to it. What attitude would I have? And you can pop these into the chat. What attitude would I have if I believed that I worked with the best product or service, the best people, the best team members, the best vendors, the best bosses, the best employees, the best in the world. What attitude would you have? And like I said, feel free to chat this one because what attitude would you have if you believed you worked with the absolute best in the world? Yeah. I see it. Yeah, yeah, you get a little more confidence, a little more strategic, a little more happy. Here's the deal. You already do. I can prove that you work with the best in the world already. It's the best in the world that you're ready for. How do I know? It's what you've got. And here's the trick. As soon as you decide to believe that you work with the best in the world, the best product or service, the best people, the best vendors, best clients, best customers, best bosses, best employees in the world, as soon as you embrace that, they start upping their attitude too. They start behaving better. They start engaging more. 
It really is amazing that we absolutely see what we believe is there. And as soon as you start treating the people in your world, especially as the best in the world, that energy will resonate with them and they will start to respond to you from that energy. And you know what else will happen? Not only will they get better, but something else better will come along because you'll be ready for it. This is how you get ready for prosperity. You start with taking a look at what you've already got and judging it. This is strategic, strategic judgment. You judge it as good. This is biblically based. We're not talking about stupendous. God did not go, oh, I made a tree. That's stupendous. He's judged it as good. So I'm inviting you to judge everything in your life right now as good enough. Not only good enough, but as the best in the world that you're ready for. Guess what your job is next? Get ready for better. Yeah, there you go, Rosa. You would be jumping out of bed to get up and serve others and take action. That's exactly what happens when you decide to take control of the one thing that actually runs your life, which is your belief system. Now, here's the deal. The, the whole course is six weeks long, so I'm not going to deep dive into how you change a belief system right here, but realize that that's critical for the next piece. If I believe I'm working with the best in the world and I've got the energy and the attitude of confidence, then I ask the second question. Okay, deal with the energy first because you got to have energy to take action. Now let's go to the strategy. Here's the strategy. Answer this question. What action would I take if I knew I was the right person for the job? Oh. Uh-huh. See, that's a belief system that many people have. They don't think they're ready. They don't think they're right. And so they struggle to take action. Because when you're thinking that you're not ready, that you're not right, it's very hard to get to the point of what's the next right action to take. And so for me, this showed up as going on what one of my mentors calls the entrepreneurial carousel, where I worked with a coach, worked with a coach, worked with a coach, worked with this coach, worked with this coach, you know, worked with this program, got this strategy, got this tool, got this technique, got this plan, got this, got this, got this, got this, got this. What I didn't got was money in my bank account. What I did got was a really large investment that I had made in my business. So here's the deal. When I got the attitude straight that I was working, even though I was not happy, I could decide that I was working with the best coach in the world and I could then start embracing a little more of what they were trying to get across to me. But the telling piece was when I asked the question, what actions would I take if I believed I was the right person for the job, if I knew I was the right person? In that moment, I could take only what served me of what my coaches and trainers and techniques and tools, I could take only what served me 
and I could take the actions that were in right alignment with me because I knew I was the right person for the job. And yeah, you'd be calling all the people. When you take action that comes from this place of, I am the right person for the job, it doesn't have to be perfect. It does have to get done. And it's amazing what will change in your world. So this is how you get into action. You get the attitude of everything around me is the best in the world. And you put into place the actions that you would take if you believed, if you absolutely knew that you were the right person for the job. Now, you got those two things in place. You're taking all the actions that you know you can take, but you got to do one more thing. The fifth step is to create. Step five is create. You have to create a new compelling vision for yourself of what's possible. Because once you get this attitude in place, and once you get the actions that you know you would take if you were the right person for the job, you're going to be able to have a better vision. You're going to be able to create a vision that's more in alignment with that energy. Because any picture that you had of what was going to happen is going to be different now that you've taken those two steps. So you create a new vision. That is step five. By the way, I'm going to bring it back to how this came about because this is the, um, you ever heard of a mashup? You know, like fusion, Asian fusion, where they take things from different places and put it together and create a new dish. This course from self-sabotage to self-empowerment is the confusion of three different programs. It is the best of what I have created in my 30 years as a stress management consultant, business consultant, and suicide prevention advocate. It is the collision. So there are elements of the self-advocacy, suicide prevention advocacy program, and one of them is my gift to you when we're done. So I'm going to give you a tool at the end of this talk. I meant to tell you earlier, but you'll get it in a minute. The seven weeks, the, the book I wrote, Your Path from Secret to Success, these steps that I put together for how to create a successful business are part of this program. As a matter of fact, they are the basic framework of everything that I do, including the book that's coming out, which is Your Path from Beating Yourself Up to Beating Your Own Drum. And the third piece that is part of this is the course how to succeed in the midst of self-sabotage. See, the real truth is I am an expert in self-sabotage. So taking all of that, that's where these steps come from. And that's what I've put together for you in the From Self-Sabotage to Self-Empowerment. And by the way, you cannot buy it tonight. So relax. All you can do tonight is get the free gift from me. So here we go. Relax, listen, serve action and action has those other those two pieces get your attitude and then put together the actions you would take if you knew you were the right person for the job and then step five create a compelling vision for yourself create a compelling vision a vision is different than a mission 
A vision is the what you want to have as an end result. If you are a coach, this will be the most challenging exercise you have ever gone on because it's not part of the training usually to talk in terms of an actual result, something that you can see, something that's what I call cupable, C-U-P. It stands for concrete. Yo, know, there's some tangibleness to it. It's concrete. It's universal. It's something that you, you, everybody can understand what you're talking about when you say, this is my vision. And it's picturable. That's the P in the word cup. It's picturable. Then image will come to people's minds. So you're going to create a vision. It's going to be a few other things. You know, it's going to be clear, concise, compelling, and connected to actually what service or product you have. But that's the other piece of the pie. So you're going to create a vision that's cupped. It's concrete, universal, and picturable. And it's also clear, concise, compelling, and connected to how you will do all of these things, to those actions that you know you're going to take. And then the sixth step. And this is the one that was the launch of the Messenger community, which is my ongoing program. This launched a whole community because the step is so daunting for so many people. And that's share. Sharing your vision in a way that is compelling. That's the sixth step. Learning how to share how to give a talk, how to structure a talk. And that's something that I am probably the proudest of, is that we have a, a three-day event that I host three times a year. And it is completely focused on creating, pulling together your core four stories, crafting a seven-minute mission-launching main message and then getting your one minute getting your vision statement so solid you can stand on it and the reason i'm so proud of this event the reason it touches my heart so much is because it was at the event where i was teaching how to share your vision with the world that my daughter stephanie gave her seven minute talk that launched the Teen Suicide Prevention Society. I will continue to do what I do for as long as God gives me wind in my pipes. Because I think the world needs what you have to offer and I just want to support you. So to take you from self-sabotage to self-empowerment, six simple steps. Relax, listen, serve, act, create, and share. And my gift to you is the know, like, and trust factor assessment. It is how you get to accomplish the one thing that will make it easier for you to show up authentically and for other people to resonate with you and be pulled to you like a magnet if you get to know, like, and trust yourself. So the assessment tool is available to you. The website is you can't, C-A-N-T, you can't, 
doitwrong.com. So Katie will put that in the chat. And so that is the journey from self-sabotage to self-empowerment. And I appreciate you going on this journey with me. And I am very happy to take questions. So if you have any questions, there you go. You can't do it wrong.com. Thank you, Katie. If you had asked me a year ago, if I would ever be in a position where I was the head of a nonprofit, I would have told you you were dreaming. If you had asked me if there would ever be a time where my children would be on the entrepreneurial journey with me, I'd have asked what you were smoking. So I'm here to tell you, you cannot predict what's coming, but you can prepare for it. And the six steps, the six week program is my way of helping you prepare so that you're ready to make a difference in the world when opportunity or as in my case, that day when my daughter gave her seven minute talk, that was the day my purpose tapped me on my shoulder. So I want you to be prepared for the day that your purpose taps you on your shoulder. And if you've already been tapped, I'd love to help you be more prepared for the prosperity that comes with a purpose driven life. And that's how I ended up getting tagged as a mission-driven mentor. Because if you're mission-driven, I'd love to have a conversation with you. So you'll do the no like, and trust factor assessment and my contact information is on it. So if you're listening to this, watching the recording, feel free, take advantage of the no like, and trust factor assessment. As long as I have that domain name, that's where you'll find it. Thank you. And hang on, the ride gets more interesting from here. 